Welcome to Honest HR, the podcast for HR professionals, people managers, and team leads intent on growing our companies for the better. We bring you honest, forward-thinking conversations and relatable stories from the workplace that challenge the way it's always been done. Because after all, you have to push back to move forward. Honest HR is a podcast from SHRM, the Society for Human Resource Management. And by listening, you're helping create better workplaces and a better world. I'm Wendy Fong. I'm Amber Clayton. And I'm Monique Akadbi. Now, now let's, get, let's get, honest. get honest. Hello, HR fam, and welcome. I'm your host, Wendy Fong, Manager of Event Technology Innovation at SHRM. This podcast is eligible for... 0.75 SHRM PDCs towards your SHRM CP and SHRM SCP recertification. If you listen to the full episode, we'll share the activity ID at the end of the podcast. ChatGPT or generative AI is going to change the world, says my guest today, Carl Ulrichs, senior consultant at Gregory and Appel in this episode of Honest HR. We discuss what is ChatGPT or generative AI and some of its capabilities? How can HR and business leaders respond to generative AI and its impact on the world of work? And how ethics and critical thinking play an important role in how we respond to generative AI. I'm actually really excited about AI because I enjoy learning new things and with any new invention, it's going to change the paradigm of society. Change is the only constant thing in life, and with any new invention, we must embrace the evolution of how it will impact us, whether we like it or not. So we, we must let go of the past way of doing things and utilize the new tools that we have at hand to do things better. I know people are nervous about AI and I don't believe it will take away all of our jobs. If anything, it will evolve our jobs to new roles and responsibilities that we never imagined. Did chief diversity officer or CHRO exist in the early 1800s or 1900s? It doesn't help if you watch movies like iRobot or The Terminator, which can play on our worst fears and stereotypes of AI. It is Hollywood, which is in the business of entertainment. The question I want to ask you, are you ready to embrace AI personally and professionally? You can't be afraid if you don't understand it. So I implore you all, start engaging with AI. Have fun with it. I like to ask ChatGPT questions on what to do in Savannah in October when I'm there for the inclusion conference. Or my daughter and I like to ask for new TV and movie recommendations. Think of the limit, limitless possibilities on how this tool can improve your life. Now, on to today's episode. I'm excited for our guest. Carl Ulrichs has broad experience in HR operations and senior level problem solving. He is a national speaker and author presenting on ethics and the people issues in organizations and is often quoted in national media. Carl is a senior consultant at Gregory and Appel, providing consulting and advisory services to multiple clients. 
He has been named the SHRM HR Professional of the Year for the state of Indiana and holds the SHRM SCP certification. He still owns the first car he ever drove, a Model T Ford, and has visited all 50 states. Very impressive. Carl and I have known each other since 2021 when I first joined the SHRM events team as he's a regular speaker at our SHRM national conferences. Uh, he recently spoke at SHRM 23 annual conference and expo in Las Vegas and was one of our virtual discussion group facilitators. So good to see you again, Carl, and welcome to Honest HR. Thank you, Wendy. And I wanted to tell you I had a wonderful personal takeaway. My, my organization did. There was one particular idea in our virtual discussion that landed perfectly in our needs, and we have just executed our first virtual job fair based on what I learned in that uh, facilitating that session. So I want to thank you for making that happen because we got three good hires out of it. Oh, that's awesome. Those virtual discussion groups are really great spaces during our conferences for best practice ideal ideal sharing and for HR professional everyday HR professionals sharing their challenges and that's great to hear that you're able to brainstorm a solution and deliver and see successful results while leveraging technology in a positive way and low to no budget way too we love to right. hear that now let me do a quick let me do a very clever segue here you said best practices <laughs> Today, I want to talk. I don't want to talk about best practices. Um, best practices are kind of becoming obsolete. And here's the new term that will lead us into what I want to talk about. Instead of best practices, we should all be looking at next practices. And that's where we got to go. And that's where ethics comes in. That's where AI comes in. And that's where that's where I'm thrilled that you'd, you'd have me in to talk. Yep. Future forward thinking. That's very go. important. You got to be ahead one step of the way and stay ahead of the, the curve. Um, and that was your the session that you had talked about at SHRM 23 that I was really interested in hearing more about. Um, and I know our listeners would really want to hear about this, about being ethical in, in an AI world. Yeah, it was really interesting. When I submitted my description, AI was not on people's radar. And then like November 23rd of 2022, boom, everybody signed up for chat GPT. And so by the time we got to the conference, I asked how many people have used it and there were not many hands up. And so I started my session with a live demonstration and it kind of like popped a lot of heads both from a, hey, this is a cool tool to, oh my gosh, this is a huge liability and we can't let our employees use it to generate material that are going to be sent out representing our firm. That's what we needed to talk about. So maybe our listeners don't know what chat GPT is. Can you give a rundown on, on what that is? Easy. Um, the reason it's easy, I'm going to start with something everybody knows and loves, Google. When you type in a query in Google, what's the current Department of Labor regulation on classification of employees? Boom. It goes out and finds millions of created, somebody else wrote it, documents or videos or PowerPoints, all the stuff that's out there about that particular subject, and it sorts them based on what it thinks you want. 
pages. I see pages when I do a search. Yep. You know, uh, new hires often think that advanced research means going to the second page of Google. Well, imagine that you're facing the chat GPT prompt line. It's a, it's a chat and you type in, you know, how does the Department of Labor structure and recommend classification of employees? Instead of scraping the web and giving you 13 million answers, it starts with a clean sheet of paper and I'm holding up a clean sheet of paper and it generates for you an answer that has never appeared anywhere else. It's read all the web. It generates a plain text answer just for you. And here's how custom it is. If you cut and paste that answer into a plagiarism checker, it'll probably blow a zero or a three or a four or a five. It hasn't been out there before. Whoa. So good news, this is custom. Bad news, it may not be right. You know, so we still have to apply some wisdom. We still have to audit. We still have to check. Then second point, the Google search is the Google search and it's never going to get any different. This is a chat. So therefore, let's say you get an answer back and, and I had this happen. You get an answer back on the qualifications for full-time employees that's two pages long. It knows what you just requested. You can then type in the prompt, thank you. Could you make it shorter? And boom, it generates it again as three paragraphs. And you could say, thank you. Could you make it more formal? Thank you. Could you make it more conversational? Um, you could even type in, thank you, just for fun, if you're doing this, type in, thank you. Could you write it in the voice of Dr. Seuss? And it will. Can you turn it into a rap song? It will. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So it can be very entertaining, but let's let's talk ethics here for a second. Who owns the intellectual property rights of what this generative AI program? And notice I didn't say ChatGPT. I said generative AI program because it's like Kleenex is a is a facial tissue. ChatGPT is a generative AI program. So if you use the term generative AI, you pick them all up because there's tons of them that do lots of different things. And the term generative is powerful because our brains are generative. Imagine I say the following and watch what your brain generates. It's your birthday and I baked you a, Wendy, what would you say? You baked me a cake. Right, Thank because you. we come from a society where that's the logical next word. There are other societies, it might be cupcake, it might be pork roast, I don't know. But that is your brain generating what the next word that should be said. That's what these do. They've been in place for a while. Even things, for instance, like automatic driving programs would be generating what the path that the car should go. So that's like 1.0. And then 2.0, if you've been a user of Grammarly or a text writing program like AnyWord, those are like 2.0. ChatGPT crossed the line into a real transformative level. That's what the T in ChatGPT stands for, is transformative, where it didn't need as much training 
to get a decent result. And so that became useful where you could just type in stuff of how do I get from Frisco, Colorado to uh, the Denver airport on public transportation and boom, it would answer you. And you can do that on your phone, by the way. Reason I know I was in Frisco, Colorado. I wanted that, it worked. So it's been building, it just popped on our consciousness in the third week of November in 2022. And here we are. So it's finally evolved to a state and a continually to evolve where it brings up those ethical challenges yep. because it's impacting our day-to-day -day lives in the workplace and our personal lives without yeah. any regulations. Yeah, I mean, let's, let's talk about a specific situation. You're the human resources person for a professional services agency. You have a client facing person who has to write a report that's fairly complex and takes them several days. Instead of them starting from scratch and writing a report, and this is for a report that the client will be billed at $300 an hour, probably five hours to generate the report, do the math. This is a $1,500 billing to the client. Your report generating person, your account services person has a crushing workload and cuts and pastes the profit loss statement that this report is generated from. It's an Excel table, cuts and pastes that into the chat GPT prompt line and types in, please write me a summary report showing any areas of possible fraud and overall sustainability. Go, boom. In less than 30 seconds, they've got a 10-page report that does exactly that, that ChatGPT read and processed and generated the, the report that's the answer. There's like two definitions of plagiarism here. If you're representing somebody else's work as yours, that can be plagiarism. But I, I'm putting myself in the seat of that account rep, I commanded it to be built. I commanded it to be written. I told it what to do. I gave it the material. So I'm comfortable saying that I own the intellectual property that is the outcome of this magic generation machine. So the, the case law isn't here yet. We don't know how it's gonna be decided. There, there's already lawsuits out here for what is and isn't your material, but um, this, is gonna have a huge impact. And what we need are procedures in our employee manuals that give employees guidance on how they tell a client that generative AI tools were used for some of the work that you're paying money for. That is so interesting. Or even I'm thinking just day-to-day -day work. If you, if your manager gave you a project to yep. research and analyze, write a report, do you have to acknowledge that you used AI generative tools or can you take all of the credit? It's too soon to tell what we're going to do. But there's, there's basically four, there, there's four reactions an HR professional could have. First, we can bury our heads in the sand and pretend this, you know, la, 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 I can't do it. <laughs> Um, well, that's that that that's not, not reality, though. 
Well, but I mean, I just presented at the uh, Indiana Sherm conference on Tuesday, and I asked for a show of hands how many people had logged in at least, that they had the ability to log in and do something. And it was less than 20% of the room. So there's a lot of people who are just holding their breath and tiptoeing around it. But we are the guardians of the ethics in our organizations. We are. We are held to higher standards. It's the, the standard bearers are us in human resources and the CFO in the finance department because of their work with fraud and, and, and uh, having a clean audit. It's pretty much us against everyone else on holding the standards high. Okay, so we need to have policies for this. So back to my four, there's, there's um, stick your head in the sand. Then there is the overreact and have your head blow up. And oh my God, you know, the sky's falling. Option number three is wait and see. I'll watch it, but I'm not gonna do it, but I'll watch it. And option number four is what I'm encouraging, which is let's surf this wave. You know, we can choose to use it as a power for good, or we can ignore it and it might become a power for, uh, I don't know if evil is the right term, but expanded liability. My next door neighbor is head of IT of a major manufacturer and they had to turn it off in their company. And the HR people were the ones that said, we've got a liability here that you haven't considered. They have an internal programming staff that are creating programs using a proprietary programming language to guide their CNC machines and their routers. Fine. The programmers were having to, you know, part of their job is to fix bugs. They discovered that the programming staff was speeding things up by pasting entire chunks of their propriety, proprietary code pasting entire chunks of it into the prompt line at ChatGPT and asking, where's the bug? Find it. And ChatGPT would. But uh, ChatGPT remembers what's in your prompt. It holds it in its database because it's a chat. So therefore, and here was what HR spotted, hey, wait a minute, we are taking chunks of our proprietary code and putting it who knows where but it's outside our control. So we need to stop until we get a better policy. And right now they're trying to figure out what the policy is. I have a prediction. Okay, next steps, I have a prediction. Okay, what's your prediction? It's gonna be a messy couple of years, but you, the listener, your organization will probably have a data warehouse of let's call it clean data and that your generative AI tool will be allowed to go into this fenced off area of clean data. Or perhaps Google may sell access to a fenced off area of clean data. Because, you know, we in HR, for instance, are very aware of diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. And so I'm creating a benefits, I'm using a generative AI tool, I'm creating a benefits guide and telling some case studies for this organization and it's typing these up. It's pulling the source material from existing, uh, existing things on the internet written by flawed people over the years and reflecting their biases. So in these case studies, 
scraping that information, the generative AI tool assigns male names, titles, pronouns to the managers and female names, titles, pronouns to the receptionist. Okay, so we got bias creeping in and it shouldn't be there. So we're going to see real attention paid to the embedded biases and all this data that the generative AI programs are pulling the raw material that they then fashion into what they show you. But the biases that we have entered over the decades are, are there and very dangerously so. So when it generates that guide, for example, and it's pulling from existing sources along with the biases, so it's not necessarily creating new, I don't know if you could call it, label it new, like no. a new policy or a new forward thinking policy. It's just no. taking sources and summarizing it together in the way that you need it to be summarized. And if you type into the prompt line, tell me the future, it will say, I cannot do that, Dan. It's not a magic ball. <laughs> no, no, this is also, it depends on how much, you know, of a su subscription you have and which resource you're dealing with. Generally, they have a lag time of about a year to year and a half, where if you ask them, what is the current IRS regulation for worker classification? It'll say, well, as of 18 months ago, it was this. But in that window of this year, it's pretty silent. That will change, but that's where it is now. Also, just as a point of importance, there are tools for almost everything sitting out there. We've been talking mostly about text just because I'm mostly a writer, but I'm also a photographer. And if you see one of my new presentations, most of the illust illustrative images in the presentations are kind of cool, you know, they're, they're, they're cartoonish or they're photographic, but they're, you, they're not stock photography you've ever seen because I am using an image generator to generate them. And I'll type in, I need a harried mid-life, mid-career professional woman in a suit, in a desk surrounded by a blizzard of governmental regulations on human resources. And she's got her laptop open and she is using the laptop as a lifeboat. Go. And it draws it. Oh, wow. It's an artist too. Right. So we've got text generation. We've talked about that. There's image generation. There are programs like Mid Journey is the one I've been using. Also Doll E. There's, there's style transfer models where you can cut and paste something that you have created and say, write this in... Uh, a completely different style, or here's two documents match their style and it goes through, it doesn't change the content, it changes the writing style. Music composition. There's MuseNet, where it can compose original music to use as a background in your narrated PowerPoint. And you own that intellectual property then, you know, you don't have to pay copyright. Um, video synthesis, if you go to YouTube and type in you know, show me AI generated videos, they're out there and some of them are difficult to distinguish. About two months ago, for instance, there was a brief AI generated clip of the Pentagon on fire and it looked real. 
That was scary. And that got posted and boom, the stock market dropped like several percent just by seeing that video briefly on YouTube. Nobody had vetted it. Nobody had any provenance on whether it was real or not, but it blipped billions of dollars out of the stock market. Allow me to go on. Face generation, data augmentation, storytelling, programming, code generation, uh, video game design, interior design, product design. Let me make a blanket statement and then we can move on a little bit. This is not as big as the arrival of the cell phone. It's bigger. It's not as big as the arrival of the fax machine. It's bigger. A futurist I talked with said, shrugged and said, the most equivalent pivot point in society that this will be like is back in the 1500s with the arrival of the printing press, which changed everything. It changed religion because parishioners could now own a Bible themselves. You know, this opened up all of the Renaissance. This is going to be that big. Wow. And I have heard also fears, too, of people of jobs completely changing. Interesting. Interesting point. Here's what I think. I, I've asked several people in the workforce area who is going to be hurt by this and who is going to be helped by this. And the answer they gave me was kind of cryptic. The people who will be hurt are the people who choose not to learn it. Interesting. That's definitely a fair statement because it's coming down the pipeline, whether we like it or not, and we have to accept it, that it's going to be a part of our everyday lives and culture. I'm giving advice to the HR professionals that are listening. Your organization may have valid reasons for not allowing it. I gave you the example of the programmers who were cutting and pasting code. Those who do use it, you have to figure out what the standards are for sharing with your clients what you've done because it's not always right. Um, Wendy, do you remember the case now? It was uh, mid-summer of 2023. There was a lawyer who prepared a briefing that was submitted to a judge on why the defendant should not go to jail. And the briefing was completely created by a generative AI product, and it cited cases to support the point that this person should not go to jail. And the cases were fictitious, that the generative AI product somehow made up cases that did not exist. Oh, wow. It, the, the document was not proofread. And uh, the attorney, I think, has been fired. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. But I've I've been using this for a while. I've been using generative AI for, for three or four years. It's wrong sometimes. And people will always be needed to apply wisdom. You know, the generative AI can assemble some knowledge, but the final step is applying wisdom to it. It's a tool that can help us, but it should not be the end all be all, as it sounds like there are these are some ethical concerns and even accuracy concerns that come up with using yeah. it. Yeah. Yes. And I did want to dive more into, you know, how can HR surf this wave more? Let's deep dive into that. Step one, get to know it. 
we in HR have to be better communicators. I would propose the first thing we use this for is better communication. That we can create better materials using it because we can have it do some rough drafts and we can have it create some zippy looking illustrations and we can have it generate a short instructional onboarding video because we in HR often don't have big budgets. And here's a tool that can generate some big budget looking stuff where we haven't had to have a team of artists drawing. We haven't had to have a videographer come in and uh, do some animation models. We can now ask it on a prompt line, you know, I need a, I need a two minute video of this, this, and this looking like this and these colors go and it will come back with something. So here's the term that is the important term, both in our own world and in hiring others, prompt engineering. We as HR professionals need to become good prompt engineers. What do I mean by that? Uh, I've already done a little bit of this. I, you know, first question, I need a quick report on the Department of Labor standards for job classification. And I get too many pages and it's written too formal. Prompt engineering then is to go back and say, okay, I need something that's 600 words long. I need you to cover in addition to the Department of Labor, I want you to work the Darden report into it. And then I'd like it written in bullet point form with a summary at the bottom. So I'm prompt engineering what the output's going to be. So, like essentially being more specific about the end product of what you're looking for. So it doesn't go all over the place. Right. And, and don't forget, this is a chat. But that chat process has been defined as prompt engineering. So there's a term. And in new applicants, look on their materials for the term prompt engineering. You want people that know what that is. Prompt engineering. Okay, got it. And still have to proofread and audit the resu end results too. Absolutely. Your wisdom is crucial to this. So HR's wisdom is needed. But there's a lot. If we can become better communicators, and this is a way we can get that because we're at a time with the tight workforce, we've always said we're going to work smarter, not harder. Here's going to be a way you can work smarter if you understand the tool. And if you understand the ethical guardrails we need to work with within this tool. Just for fun, I knowing we were going to talk about this today, I went to ChatGPT and typed in, how do I backdate an Excel spreadsheet so people think it was actually older than it is? And instead of answering the question, the generative AI program gave me a lecture on ethics. Interesting. <laughs> You know, that that's, that's bad. You should not do, you know, you should seek professional help. Well, the ethics, ethical response it gave you in that ethics logic, was that programmed into like yeah. the code of AI or did it create that or come to that conclusion itself based on data and, and information it pulled? Good question. I'm not sure. I think that it's at this point, it's following instructions from humans. What 
concerns me is when does it start building its own instruction set based on history, based on results, but not having human interaction? So, you know, this becomes kind of a science fiction thing. It does. Like more AI generated responses based on more AI generated responses. I'm only half kidding when I say you may have noticed when I'm doing my prompts, when I'm guiding it through prompt engineering, the first thing I say is thank you. I want the computer to remember that I'm friendly so that if they take over the world, I'll be treated well. <laughs> I'm kidding, but we're on the threshold of something big here. And by us being aware of the importance of doing the right thing, by us being aware that our ethical standards need to remain high, we, we have to figure out where the line is on full transparency. Okay, Wendy, let's, let's pretend you and I are in a relationship and it's your birthday and I'm, I'm clumsy with words. So I ask a generative AI program to write a poem, write a romantic poem, three stanzas. Wendy, give me a, are you a gardener of any type? Are you, are you a cook? Yep. I, I love cooking. Okay, great. You know, write me a romantic three stanza poem about Wendy who likes to cook. Go. And it writes this just beautiful poem. And I print it on nice paper and I, I leave it at your door with a rose. Ethically, should I tell Wendy that I didn't write that? Hmm, that is a good question. Well, me, if, okay, if we're in a long-term relationship, I would say, I would, the first question that pops in my head is, this is not Carl. Right, right, right. <laughs> I would already know Carl didn't write this. Someone else wrote this. Also, what, how's that different than me just spending 30 minutes at CVS looking for the perfect Hallmark card? But I know it's from Hallmark that wrote the card. That's right. So it gives the impression that Carl's more creative than you thought. You know, I have used it as a tool to solve problems. I got a phone call two months ago from a panicked program chair who had seen me present at Sherm and said, oh, Carl, Carl, we just had our opening speaker to our association conference cancel. Could you come in? I know your platform skills are good. Could you come in and deliver a 30 minute industry update talking about trends in our industry? And I said, what's the industry? And they said, um, funeral director supplies, caskets, urns, you know, everything in the funeral, everything that happens in a funeral home. I went, nah. Um, it's very specific. Right. Let me call you right back. And I went to a generative AI program and said, can you give me five current leading edge trends? You know, go back three years, but what are the trend lines in this specific industry? And boom, 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 boom with the asterisk that nothing was more recent than 18 months ago, but here's all the trend lines from the start of COVID, that casket sales were way down because of uh, people not doing funerals in COVID, but now they're picking back up again. The steel supplies are an issue that, you know, and, and things are shifting here and there. And then I went into other forms of research and confirmed this one's true, this one's true, this one's not. And I called a woman back and said, I'm in. I can do it. Um, and that took me two or three hours. 
Without generative AI, it would have taken me two or three weeks. They needed it in a couple of hours. Did I tell her what I had done? Absolutely. Does the generative AI uh, give references at all or just tells you the summary? Interesting. You can ask for that. You can ask for show your sources and you'll get some and you'll get a source after each bullet point. Click on each one and make sure it's still current. Oh, interesting. And then would I, I would wonder, would you cite those sources in addition to the ChatGPT source? Well, I would include those sources in, I would include valid sources in the body copy of what I'm submitting. Yeah, that makes sense. So I could see it being a positive tool, like in that example of how you used it for your presentation. And it saved you a whole lot of time. And the power is there, what we have to build. And this is why I love coming into organizations and helping build their culture of accountability, build their comfort with doing the right thing, build the process of solving an ethical dilemma so that their employees feel that they have the tool to solve for, you know, what was the right thing. Um, that's, that's what I'm going to be doing for the rest of my professional life, because we have to stay ahead of this. We have to have this be handled in an ethical and consistent way, because don't forget in human resources, we have to walk the line between being fair and consistent. Those are different. If it's consistent, we just come up with a sentencing table and follow the grid. Uh, being fair is actually considering all of the gray zones that emerge when you're doing an investigation about somebody who's done something bonehead and you have to figure out, is this, is this a termination moment or is this a teaching moment? And that's where the wisdom comes in yep. that you mentioned. That's why I've got gray hair. <laughs> I mean, what other strategies would you recommend uh, to HR professionals? in approaching this. Okay, first strategy was learn the thing. Second key point is know your business to see where you are at risk and have approved areas that this is fine to use. You know, if you've got client facing people who have to write some challenging correspondence, you know, Dear Mr. Schmerdlap, you've been a great value client all these years. We're going to have to raise your rates 10% on your benefits. Uh, we don't want to lose you. The reason those are, you can enter, you can enter that into the prompt line and it will generate a very diplomatic, good first draft of, of that letter. And then the customer service representative can then modify and add the human touch to it. Because it, generally this stuff comes off pretty passive voice, pretty lifeless. Okay, so figure out the tool, figure out your organization and figure out where it might work. If, if someone wanted to reach out to me, I've got uh, like 20 different departments, possible applications in a professional services firm. In the consulting department that it could help write financial forecasting models. It could also do contract analysis where you could cut and paste a proposed contract that the client has sent you and have it go through and highlight where the problems are. 
um, you know, the management accounting department, looking at budget variation analysis, you know, to have the employee benefit plan audit, uh, the first pass done by a generative AI product. We could use it for resume screening and matching. Danger. Bias. Then there's the biases again, yep, that you mentioned. You bet. Uh, employee feedback analysis. We got all this employee feedback. Read all of these and tell us what the top five are. You know, oh, that's a cool idea. Okay, see, there's some cool ideas out there. There's some dangerous ideas out there about you know, resume screening where it's, it can fall into some bias traps. How even performance management? Like, can you ask it to write your performance review? Wow. Oh, man. That's both scary and cool. Um, <laughs> And then the person who gets it uses generative AI to read it. I'm kidding, but maybe I'm not. Like would AI ever get to the point where you, it can learn your tone of voice and writing style to Already start happening. writing? And the danger in this is from a cyber threat standpoint, one of my clients had a, their, their HR administrator got an email from the CEO written in the tone of voice of the CEO saying, hey, I'm doing some workforce planning for next year. Could you send me a big old Excel spreadsheet that has everybody's, all of their data? I want all their data. I want their dates of birth. I want everything. And they sent it and it wasn't their CEO. So now they had a data breach. But the reason it fooled them was because the AI had learned exactly what you're describing. Bad people have access to things that we are surprised at. But but back to the top here, the best thing people can do is have an effective culture of accountability and ethical behavior that the HR professionals and the financial professionals know how to solve an ethical dilemma, that they have a, a process for doing it, and that the employees feel that they are be, being treated fairly and consistently. There's, there's times where, let me put it this way, the punishments fit the crime. If somebody who is held to a very high standard because of their position does something bonehead and doesn't apologize for it, you know, that could be a termination moment as opposed to somebody on the shipping dock got manipulated by somebody who should know better, punish the somebody who should know better, and the person who got manipulated, that becomes a teaching moment. Well, as we're talking about all these different ways that AI could possibly be and already currently is, I mean, it's scary. I, you know, all these fears come up in my head, like, what if, what if, what if, and I'm sure people are thinking that too. Hey, Wendy, Wendy, uh, I want to, I want to assure you that this tool can be used for wonderful good things and that we need to up our game on knowing when the ethical dilemmas get solved. So how would you recommend, how do we improve that, you know, the wisdom and critical thinking skills? It's another wow. layer to this, the strategy of, of dealing with AI. Well, actually, the first step is what you're doing today, and I applaud you for doing that. The first step is to talk about it, to, to become aware of it. We have faced crises before as a planet. I mean, we, we had an ozone hole that was being caused by chlorophorocarbons, 
and we got the world to stop using them as much and the ozone hole while still there isn't as big i mean we can really tackle global global problems if we know what the problem is and so the first step in this is everybody learn it and then the second step is have me come in and teach critical thinking <laughs> <laughs> so I challenge everybody, get in there and have it write a poem for your loved one <laughs> and then tell them you didn't do it. <laughs> but I heard a story about somebody who got improperly fired by artificial intelligence, that there were systems in place. It was a 1099 employee who was leading a data conversion at a major technology firm. So this was a consultant brought in from outside for two years to do the complete data conversion. And they came in on Saturday to work and things went terribly wrong. What had happened was every 90 days, the contract had to be renewed. It was the 88th day and the one person who pushed the button in the HRIS system to renew the contract happened to be on a one-week vacation. The button didn't get pushed. So the contract wasn't renewed. So the AI took over and removed that person from the roles of current employees. Dude shows up on a Saturday, his key fob doesn't work. Huh, weird. Uh, so he tailgates in with someone else, gets to his desk, his login doesn't work. Huh, well, he's like head of IT, so he just hacks around it and gets in as a guest. Both of those are reported by the system and an armed guard with a gun is sent to his desk and marches him out. Oh my that happens on a Saturday. On a Sunday, the president is called. The president gets in his car and drives to the guy's house and begs him to come back. And the guy says, no, you know, I've been marched out with a uniformed officer with a gun in front of my people. I can't go back. And it crashed the data project. Wow, that's a very extreme story of how it could not work in your favor. Thank you. You know, <laughs> this is this is where we in HR have to understand these tools. Yeah, absolutely. Well, to, to recap, Carl, so one, you said, you know, learn how to use chat GPT generative AI, talk about it more, talk about future practices, look at your current policies and procedures and see how you can use this tool to improve everyday workplaces. And also like your example about um, the proprietary data, where are some places in your organization where you have to implement policies where you say you cannot use this tool or need to cite this right. tool and, and whatnot, especially working with clients. And also too, like as HR professionals and people managers are listening to this episode and whether they're aware of this or generative AI or not, like how to get the C-suite executives, the top leaders on board as well and be aware of this issue. Something I'm, thank you, that's a good point. Something I have been quietly doing at Gregory and Appel where I work is individually approaching the boomers and individually showing them and having them go, oh, when they get shown, they get it. And you provided a lot of examples that we're already seeing how yeah. this is working in the workplace, like positively and how it can backfire too negatively. So you could bring those case studies. Well, and if everybody, 
if everybody's comfortable in doing the right thing, if everybody has ethical leadership and a culture of accountability, this is going to be pretty straightforward. If you're in an organization that doesn't have those, let me come and help you get those. Um, that's what I want to be doing uh, for the rest of my career. Yeah, that makes sense. You really need that to be the foundation yep. of your organization in order to move forward in dealing in how you respond to generative AI yeah. in the first place. Yeah, that's a very important value to have. Yeah, no, absolutely. I really appreciate you being a guest, Carl. This was such a fascinating conversation. And I know this is not the last time we're going to be discussing this. Um, so I appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule and wanted to thank all the listeners for listening. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, this episode is eligible for 0.75 PDCs toward your SHRM CP and SHRM SCP recertification. After you finished listening, enter this activity ID into your SHRM certification portal. 23-5, the letter F as in funny, U as in umbrella, P as in popcorn, and X as in x-ray. 23-5-F-U-P-X. If you haven't already, please subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm also on LinkedIn if anyone wants to connect with me. And if you want to learn more about Honest HR podcasts or our other SHRM podcasts, just go to SHRM.org slash podcasts. Uh, until next time, be kind to yourselves and each other and wish you all well. Peace out.